Welcome to episode 22 of Mosin at Large. I'm Jonathan Mosin. I'll be showing you this week how you can transfer ringtones to your iPhone without having to deal with pesky iTunes. Plenty of other ringtone discussion in the mix as well. And we have the big cash reader giveaway. Five lucky winners. Mosin at Large Podcast. And to be in touch, Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com. You can attach an audio clip or just write something down and email it in. And you can call the listener line. That number in the United States is 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. How has your week been? If you were expecting Valentine's-type shenanigans, I hope you got them. I hope that the significant other in your life, met your expectations with respect to the marketing edicts that says that you must send your significant other flowers on a particular day or chocolates on a particular day or whatever it is on a particular day. Not necessarily because you just have this sense of gratitude and appreciation for the significant other in your life, that it's just nice to surprise somebody every so often, but because marketing people say there is an expectation that you send certain things to your significant other on the 14th of February every year. And woe betide ye if you don't. Funny world in which we live. A. 864-60-MOSIN is the number in the United States. 864-606-6736. Hey, Jonathan, it's Tanya Harrison here. Hello, um, Tanya. Firstly, about ringtones. Um... I have used ringtones on phones since the Nokia 9210 days. So that goes back to 2003. My default ringtone is <clears throat> my favourite piece of music from Star Trek and it's from an episode of The Next Generation called The Inner Light. And in there, there is a beautiful flute piece. And obviously fans of Star Trek The Next Generation would know exactly what I'm talking about. I've got a couple of ringtones for friends, usually them playing instruments and, you know, something I've actually done. But then I've also got, for my text tone, the Nokia tune, and at the end it gets a bit wonky. It's it's a version of the original one you played. And at the end it gets a bit wonky. And then there's an explosion. So <laughs> I've had that for years. I think, um, I think someone gave that to me a shop in 2008 when I got my last Nokia. I have changed the sounds for my calendar. My calendar is a favourite alarm from a talking clock of mine and the way it sounds when the batteries are going ding, 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 ding. For my email, I have various dolphin noises depending on whether the email sent, whether I'm receiving mail. And I have, I've got a different tone as well for my reminders. I've got a Bugs Bunny tune. The next thing that I wanted to comment on is Face ID. I've only been using it for about 10 weeks and it's taken me a while to get used to it, especially if I'm actually lying down using my phone, which how often do we wake up in the morning and we want to check our phone while we're in bed, you know? So I think it would be great with Face ID if they could use something similar to what KNFB Reader does when you're trying to get your camera in the right um, angle and in the right position to take a picture of the document that you want 
put into text. And I think with Face ID, it would be really good. They could use haptics. If the close, the closer you were to the right angle to, for it to see your face, you would get a, a change in speed in the haptics. They could start out slow. Also a bit like, um, mini guides and mobility aids, you know, that sort of technology feedback where the closer you get to something, either the higher pitch the noise, um, which I think would be annoying for people, that's why I think the haptics would be better, that, that speed up. And then when you actually were in the right place to see your face, it obviously would just stop because it would open and see your face. Lovely to hear from you, Tanya. How cool that you in New Zealand would call an American number where I then download it from the American number from New Zealand and play it on the show. <laughs> Tremendous. I have a different take on this face ID thing. It really concerns me a lot that a lot of blind people do seem to, well, a good number, a good number of blind people do seem to struggle with face ID. And when Face ID was introduced and I wrote whatever that version of iOS without the I was, must have been iOS 11, was it, when the Face ID was first introduced? I did my best to demonstrate or to describe in the book how to use Face ID. And I actually published that bit of the book free on the Mosin Consulting website. And I imagine it's still there on the blog somewhere. So that as a public service, everybody who was getting a new phone who needed assistance, could do it. But one of the things I found is that it is actually quite difficult to teach a blind person how to use Face ID that way. I've taught several blind people how to use Face ID very successfully, and when I'm done, they go, oh, <laughs> that's all there is to it. Because what you're describing, Face ID happens so, so quickly when you use it correctly that there's not time for any of that kind of feedback. It just you, you hold it in front of you and, and turn the phone on and it just goes click and it's unlocked. And similarly, if you do want to unlock it from, from bed, you just hold it above your head. If you're lying flat on your back, you just hold it above your head at the right angle. What I wonder is whether Apple might be able to do something in the voiceover practice area. Because it is actually sort of, if you, if you fail to unlock a couple of times and and it makes the wah, wah, wah noise and you kind of feel like you've just bombed out in a game show or something. It can be difficult to keep trying. And I wonder whether in the voiceover practice area, they could just have an area where the face ID system is in a kind of a mock activation mode and you hear the click whenever you are in the correct position. And I wonder if that might help those blind people who are struggling with face ID. I find it incredibly reliable. The only time that I don't get Face ID unlocking first go is sometimes when I'm outside my office waiting for my Uber. I imagine there's just a lot of lights there and every so often it will wow, wow, wow at me at that, at that point, but I never have any trouble. So I, I wish, you know, perhaps, perhaps if anybody has any thoughts on magic Face ID unlocking tips that has helped them figure it out. Because for me, it works, again, probably with the exception of that um, that scenario when I'm out in the light, probably 99% of the time first go. Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. Here's an email from Michael Mann, who says, Hi, Jonathan, I'm listening to your show currently on a Google Home mini speaker. Have you tried out the Anchor app for iOS yet? I have published two podcasts using Anchor for iOS, says Michael. 
hope to hear from you. I have had a look at it, and it seems really good. I really do not appreciate those people who sort of thumb their noses at anything that makes any process easier to use. For example, I remember I was on the Usenet community when the internet started going mainstream, and everybody said, ah, it's a dumbing down of the internet and this World Wide Web thing, and people were kind of thumbing their noses. So I like the idea of Anchor in the sense that anybody should be able to make a podcast and publish it to the world. It's a fundamental democratization of media, isn't it? And it really started, I think, with the idea that with internet streaming, anybody from even a bedroom with a microphone headset and even some free software can stream to the world. It's amazing. And now we have the same with podcasts and apps like Anchor. The one thing I would say about Anchor, and I have had a look at this because I have seen on various podcast forums that I frequent, people expressing concern about the terms and conditions of Anchor. And I don't think they're quite as punitive as many people think they are. But the one thing that does seem to be the case that might be cause for concern is if you use any of Anchor's own material, such as the sound effects that they provide or any of the little music beds that belong to Anchor, those are licensed to Anchor. And if you migrate your podcast somewhere else, say you decide that you just want something with more features and you're willing to pay for it, when you export your podcasts, those sound effects and music beds won't be included. So you kind of have holes. You'll have big holes, big holes in your podcast. So that might be something to consider. It does look like, you know, now that it's owned by Spotify, it looks like it's here to stay. And it does look like a very robust platform. But what you might want to do is produce it. If you're wanting to do it all on the iPhone, you might want to produce it in an app like Backpack Studio. And we're going to talk a bit more about other options on iOS later because of a listener email. Or you could do it on a PC with Reaper or any other uh, tool and then upload the whole thing to Anchor. And that way, if you ever move, you're not using Anchor's proprietary stuff and you can take the podcast content with you and re-upload it somewhere. But that's great that for those on a budget, Anchor is there to help you get your thoughts out to the world. So good to hear from you, Michael, and good luck with the new podcast. Hi, Jonathan. It's Derry Lada here from Dublin, Ireland. Loving your podcast. Um, I listened to it very keenly over the last couple of weeks. And, of course, when you make great suggestions, like the Castro podcast app, which is another one I've subscribed to, I've followed you with the Overcast and the Downcast, and now I'm in the Castro. Um, I love it. I don't mind the subscription. I think it's uh, well worth it. Especially when you can skip the the, the intros and, of course, uh, the chapters, if you didn't like, if you wanted to rush through a podcast or something like that. What I do like, which was in, uh, wasn't available in Downcast or Overcast, when you hit play on a podcast and you wanted to go to another podcast, the one you were playing previously, you still follow me, was kind of still highlighted, so you had to go back and back and back and back and back to before you could uh, change podcasts. Ringtones, and as you were talking about your ringtones, I have a few great ringtones. I got a book some time ago called Am- Amadeus, How to, be Ma- How to Be an Amadeus Pro Maestro. Do you remember that? And uh, I've done some I do. <laughs> the Amadeus Pro on the Mac, but I don't have a Mac anymore, and uh, you have a Windows, and I've done a few ringtones, just a matter of getting them onto the, to the phone, but uh, yeah, great stuff. Um, 
Today I'm using Backpack in the studio, uh, also another app you recommended on your podcast. I used to use Boss Jock, um, have a great microphone, I think connected, called the um, Shure MV88 Plus video kit, it's on a tripod. It's on my desk, so there's a bit of um, uh, background, I suppose, interference there, but uh, keep up the great work on your podcast and your show, of course, I love it, and uh, take care now, it's Derry, Derry, Derry Lawler here, out, bye now. Good to hear from you, Darian. How interesting your election situation is in Ireland at the moment. Absolutely fascinating to watch that one go down. Regarding Castro and skipping podcasts, yes, it is nice to just clear the podcast that you're listening to. And there are also some Siri shortcuts. So I've got the Siri shortcut set up where I just say to Siri, clear this podcast, clear this episode, I believe it is. Clear this episode. You just say that to Siri when you've got the shortcut set up. And boom, it's gone and you're on to the next podcast. So yes, Castro is a wonderful app. It really is. And nice to know that you've got a good mic like that plugged into your phone there, Derry, and using the Backpack Studio app. The audio sounded very nice indeed. Good on you. Hi, Jonathan. This is Jim from sunny Florida. Hello, Jim. I know you always like it when I say that. Anyway, wanted to just follow up with you. Haven't been around in a while because I'm having a knee replacement surgery in May. That's going to be my Cinco de Mayo, LOL. <laughs> anyway, uh, laugh out loud. But uh, so I've been dealing with some pain, so I haven't been up with you guys in a while. But a few quick comments. First off, Lighthouse. Yes, we had a program in Orlando, Florida, when I was growing up called the Sight Program. And I've, of course, that time was low vision, so it didn't really get my attention too much. Then, uh, you know, I mean, I did a lot of work there. My parents were on the parents group, you know, but I didn't really think about it. When they went to Lighthouse, yes, I was offended, uh, especially since I'd lost my residual vision. But I thought Lighthouse seemed a little bit insulting. If you can't see, what business do you have with a light-producing object? Uh, so it was kind of funny. Um, so I just, after a while, had to set up for myself and just laugh about it and go on, you know. However, I like the comment about the foghorn that another listener made. I think that's hilarious. I want to talk about ringtones. Uh, with my iPhone, I buy most of, well, I haven't bought many, but I like the Star Trek Next Generation ringtones, like the uh, the door chime for the quarters for the folks on Star Trek Next Generation. That's my text message ringtone. When I send my emails, I hear the warp speed ringtone from the app store. They're usually like a buck or two, so it's not a bad investment. And of course, football season, it's the Florida Gators Orange and Blue fight song, which after a couple of months, my friends and neighbors get a little crazy about and say, would you please change that? My (laughs) partner is a jockey, and so when I get phone calls from... uh, from my partner, I get to hear um, the uh, post from the Kentucky Derby, uh, which that's always funny, and that creates a lot of good laughs. You know, the bugle, I know that was terrible, but that's that's what I get to hear then. So that's fun. Yes, and I believe that's called the call to the post, and uh, Bonnie would be happy to hear you talking about that, Jim, because she's majorly into horse racing. She's been a racehorse owner as well, and I created a call to the post ringtone for her. Mosin at Large Podcast! Hey, Jonathan, this is Mickey, comma, 
Not sure if you are familiar with the recording program called Audacity or not. Was wondering if there are any JAWS scripts or if there are any tutorials that go along with this particular program. Thank you, Mickey. Good to hear from you. And yes, I'm familiar with Audacity, but it is not a tool that I have used very often. I did, after your message came in, do a quick googly, and I did find that there is quite a bit of mention in Audacity's official wiki, or whatever they have, of accessibility. And so it looks like it is quite well set up for accessibility. But if anybody has more information, do you use Audacity regularly? And what can you tell us about accessibility? It's cross-platform, so there's an Audacity for Mac and an Audacity for Windows, although I understand there may be a couple of issues with Audacity's compatibility on macOS Catalina, which has gone to 64-bit now. So we will open it up to the knowledgeable listening audience, Mickey, and see if we can be educated about Audacity. Hey, Jonathan and everybody. This is Pam Quinn from sunny, cold Iowa, a place where we may never have the opportunity to go caucusing again. No, you don't deserve to, Pam. You know, what a debacle. What a debacle. I make (laughs) a lot of my own ringtones and text tones and assign them to different people and everything, and, and it's a lot of fun. And I don't really care for iTunes for Windows. So I have some software called Walter 2, I guess it is. W-A-L-T-R 2. And what that allows you to do is to choose files, and then it, it assigns those files to different folders on your iPhone based on what the extensions are, which actually leads me to a question. I wonder if anybody knows what the extension, what the what the file extension for text tones would be, because I rename all of mine to M4R, and then it, it sends those files, all of them, to um, ringtones, and I can, of course, use some of those ringtones as text tones, but I still... Since the text tones actually are in a different place, I wondered what the file extension is. Lovely to hear from you, Pam, in sunny, cold Iowa, where they're probably still counting. The file extension for text tones is the same as for ringtones. It's M4R. And I think what really determines where they go is the length. Text tones have to be quite short. But as you rightly point out, you can use any custom ringtone that you add to the phone as a text tone. But there is no special extension. It is still M4R. And what a coincidence. What a coincidence that you bring up Walter 2, because we're going to be talking about Walter 2 soon when we have a look at how you can get stuff onto your phone. It is a wonderful app. Absolutely brilliant. And I'll I'll explain more about this soon. Hi, Jonathan Mosin. How are you? This is Richard Claypool. I just wanted to comment on... Ringtones. I used to be against them. I didn't like hearing clips of popular songs or the ever-present WhatsApp. Oh, my word. Heard everywhere at the time. What is that? By the way, I was caught kicking and screaming into the iPhone generation. Not that I'm a Luddite by any circumstances. I just couldn't see the point of it, and I hate being bothered when I'm out and about. Well, I changed my default tone as quickly as possible. And I found, you know, a classic, it sounds like an old bell, which 
not many people use. And every time I'm out, somebody will say, I didn't know you had a phone in your kitchen. To which somebody says, oh, no, that's just Rick and his phone. I think they can be used as long as they're not obnoxious. I have yet to make one, and I've heard that in later versions of iTunes, they are difficult to import. But you have encouraged me, and I shall go looking to it. I am glad to encourage you, Richard, and stay tuned because we'll talk about just bypassing iTunes altogether for the transfer of your ringtones. And glad that you did get uh, dragged kicking and screaming into the iPhone generation. Good to hear from you. Hi, Jonathan, says Jeremy Schmidt. I heard your demos of Backpack Studio and Castro, and I was wondering, do you know of any good accessible audio editors for iOS? Thanks. Oh, man, yeah. Both made by the same company are the two that I would recommend the most because you specifically mentioned editors. There are plenty of recorders for iOS, but if you want an editor, the two I would recommend are made by the same company called Juice Software. And the, uh, the, the guy who develops them is very aware of voiceover and goes to some trouble to make the apps voiceover friendly. The one that's kind of a little bit like SoundForge or Goldwave or that that single track editor type paradigm is called Hokusai for iOS. Hokusai, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And the one that's multi-track, kind of more akin to Reaper or Amadeus Pro or that sort of multi-track environment is called Ferrite. And they're both accessible. I think there is a difference between accessibility and efficiency. I do personally find that HokuSai is a bit more efficient to use than Ferrite, particularly with the keyboard commands that are available. But to be fair, it may be that I just haven't played enough to optimize the experience, the the workflow. Because when I have editing to do, I just want to get it done. And I've been working these tricks on the PC for so long that I just tend to stick with that. But yes, absolutely. There are quite a few accessible options on the iOS platform, but I'd recommend those two if you want really good editing functions. So check them out and uh, see what you think. At Large Podcast. Let's go to sunny Australia, or maybe it's not sunny Australia, and hear from Tristan Clare. She says, hi, Jonathan. It's a very wet, windy Sunday afternoon here in Sydney. The perfect weather for catching up on podcasts. I'm writing to comment on a couple of things. I've been meaning to say this for ages, but thanks for the tip about using keyboard shortcuts in Uber. Like you, I like to send written instructions to the driver before they arrive. Because mine relate to specific pickup positions, I have a couple of different key combinations for routes that I take all the time. It's very convenient to be able to type three letters and have a detailed message pop up on my screen. I agree, it's a nifty trick, Tristan. Although I must say, I'm I'm quite um, what's the word? I I, I I'm quite demoralised because I got my rating for Uber all the way up to four point nine six, and um, I know why my rating dropped from five stars. At least I thought I did because there was one particular issue where Uber was quite new, and I 
had to get to appointment quickly and the Uber driver didn't seem to be able to get the destination. And I typed in the destination, not realizing that the high streets that I had chosen or whatever it was, um, they'd, they'd put it in something like San Francisco or something really crazy like that. And it was a massive fare. And uh, we couldn't correct it. The Uber system didn't have the streets I wanted. And in the end, I had to dismiss the driver and say, look, I've really got to get there. I can't afford to play around. I've got an appointment and I need to catch a taxi. So I think he rated me one star, even though it was Uber's problem. And uh, so, but but then, so I was cruising along, getting my Uber rating up. It got all the way up to 4.96. And as far as I know, I had a perfectly polite interaction with some Uber driver. Admittedly, it's a busy time for me at work. And so sometimes I curl in the back and I try and explain my iPhone talks in my ear. So it's a bit difficult for me to make conversation and I've got quite a bit to do. So if I don't talk to you, it's just because I'm trying to get my email. Anyway, uh, a driver clearly rated me one star for whatever reason, because I went all the way down to 4.94. And then I went back up to 4.95. And now I'm down to 4.93. And I kind of feel very upset about it. Very upset. When I worked for Ira, I used to say to people, I wonder what would happen if, you know, because you can rate the um, agents good or poor. And I wondered what would happen if we had a rating for the explorers as well so the agent could rate the explorer and then you could go in and check your rating but having experienced this business with uber when you try your best to be nice and polite and as conversational as you can be while you're trying to get your work done and they still rate you down it's quite demeaning demoralizing to your (laughs) self-esteem anyway i'll get back to Tristan's email because she says regarding names like Vision Australia I agree with you it seems to be a trend in disability organizations out here if it's blindness then the name contains something about vision wheelchairs usually have something about legs or movement and memorably there was a dementia society called the forget me not foundation (laughs) I don't know why But it may buy into this whole narrative of fixing the disability rather than being okay with it. Non-profit organizations in particular are all over stories about curing or ameliorating the disability because that's what brings in the donation money. On ringtones, I think personalized ringtones are awesome. I haven't worked out how to make one, but I've bought a few to match people in my life. My default is an old-style British telephone. I used to have the old phone tone from the classic menu, but too many other people had it, and I kept jumping every time it went off, so I decided to go with something more unique. See, that's the thing, isn't it? When you use the default ringtones, one will inevitably go off around you and you think it's your phone, and you excitedly pull the phone out, only to find that you've a nit, a nit, because it's not yours at all. She continues, my dad's ringtone was the Doctor Who theme because we used to watch it late at night. A cool tone, but it had a really loud intro, so I used to nearly die of fright every time it came on. For another friend of mine, I have the opening riff of Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses because we're both fans of hair band metal music from the late 80s. Finally, my text tone is Ruse Whistle from The Hunger Games because it's a lovely noise and it's loud enough to be heard without drowning out the message. Anyway, I've really enjoyed the topics today, she says, 
and I'm going to listen to the rest of the podcast now. Dude, if you were able to write that incredibly uh, informative email without even hearing the whole podcast, imagine what would have happened if you'd invited for the whole thing. Podcast. Since we've been talking a lot about ringtones on the show lately, I thought I'd show you one way to make them that is completely iTunes free. If there's one bit of feedback I've got loud and clear from people, it's that a lot of people do not like iTunes. And I think part of this is an accessibility thing, but part of it is just that it's, it's bloated, horrible software. And in fact, Apple has abandoned iTunes altogether on the Mac, but it is still a living and breathing entity on Windows. Now, I'm a Windows user. I'm going to show you how to do this. There is a way to make a ringtone completely from iTunes. You can do the whole thing from within iTunes. So if you feel comfortable, I don't feel uncomfortable with iTunes. I just think it's bloated. If you do feel comfortable using iTunes, there are easier ways to make the ringtone. But if you want to stay iTunes free, then this is one way to make the ringtone and get the ringtone onto your phone. And it's also an opportunity for me to introduce you to a utility that I came across a few years ago. And I find that it really is great. I seldom need to use iTunes, even though I have it installed. The first thing we need to do is create the ringtone. And with this part of the process, it's just your imagination that limits you. I thought that I would create a ringtone using a dog sound effect. I wanted to steer away from music because since this is going on the podcast, I know that there are quite strict royalty provisions around the inclusion of music, licensed music on podcasts. And then we get pinged and all sorts of terrible things. So I'm going to use a dog sound effect. I'm recording this in Reaper. And I'm going to open a copy of Studio Recorder to make the ringtone. But really, whatever sound editor you are familiar with is fine. And if you're not familiar with any sound editor, I imagine even the little recorder that's built into Windows might be able to do this for you. But you could do this with anything you want. You could use Reaper, which is my digital audio workstation of choice. But you could use Goldwave, SoundForge, Audacity, anything really. I'm going to open Studio Recorder. Search box edit. Studio Recorder app. Studio Recorder document one. Document one. I like Studio Recorder very much for spoken word recording as well. I'm in a blank document and I'm going to load a sound effect containing a dog sound. Studio. I'll press Control O, which is what I need to do in this particular app. Open dialog. File name. Edit. Name. Folder view list. And I'm in a list of audio files and I know that it's about here. Zero seven dog barking dog. Enter. And now I have the dog sound loaded in my sound editor. There's just a tiny bit of silence at the beginning. So we'll zero zero. Zero zero. Trim the silence at the top. Now when I press the space bar. That's about right. So I'm going to delete everything else in this file. Zero. Now what we have is this little dog sound. That's all there is. Now, just to make sure it's loud enough, I'm going to normalize this file. Now that'll be a little louder now. That's good. Nice and uh, loud there, which is important for a ringtone. Now I'm going to save this file. Depending on the digital audio workstation that you are working with, you may be able to save the file immediately as an M4A file, which would be quite handy because then all you need to do is rename it to M4R. In the case of Studio Recorder, 
it's getting old now and they don't have M4A support built in. So I'm going to save it in my case as a WAV file. This is a step that you may not need to do. Menu, file name, leaving menus, save as dialog, file name, edit, 07dogbarking.wav. I'm going to give it a cool name like dog. And that's going to be called dog.wave. File name, edit dog. And I'll press enter. Edit unavailable. Dog and that's our ringtone created called dog.wave. Now, because this is a WAV file, and you can't use anything but M4R files, you've got to do a couple of things. If you were able to save that, say as dog.m4a, then all you need to do is go into File Explorer, go to the folder where you saved the file, and rename the extension from M4A to M4R. And you have your ringtone all done. And then you can get onto the transfer bit that we'll talk about in a minute. In my case, I need to go through an extra step, and that is to convert this WAV file to M4A or M4R. I'm going to close Studio Recorder now because we're done with this bit. Menu bar. And I'm going to load a utility called Switch Sound File Converter. This is a really handy piece of software. It's made by a company called NCH Software. In the interest of full disclosure, I have to say I find some of their tactics a little bit spammy, and they seem to charge quite regularly for updates. But it does a nice job, and it's fully accessible. Search box. Studio recorder. App. Press right to switch preview. Switch sound file converter. App. Press right. Switch plus by NCH software license software dialog. Open output folder button. And the first thing is to open output folder. We don't want to do that. We want to press Alt-A in this software. Locate audio file as dialog. File name. Shell folder view. Explorer pane. Folder layout pane. Shell folder view. Items view multi-select list box. Not selected dot dropbox dot cache. Two slash one slash 2027 audio. Shell folder view. Do Dog.wav, two slash 15 slash press enter. Open output folder button. And then we want to convert this to a compatible format. Output format, combo box, dot mp3, 17 of 29. Let's just go up. Dot mov, 16 dot m4r, 15 of 29. And there is the m4r format actually supported natively by switch file converter. So that's fine. We can now convert it. Options dot dot convert button. Converting audio file dialog. Converting file one of one. Don't please wait dot dot dot. Cancel button. Open output folder. And we have our ringtone now. So I'll exit switch sound file converter. 30.8. Again, let me stress that if you can save your file as an M4A file in whatever digital audio workstation you use, then just rename it with an M4R extension. Now we have our ringtone created by whatever means we got there. How do we get it onto the iPhone without iTunes? Well, this is where I introduce to you a piece of software I've been using for a few years now that frees me of iTunes for just about everything except making an encrypted iTunes backup, which I still do because I'm cautious like that. But for transferring content to my iPhone, this is just so much better. It's called Walter 2, spelt W-A-L-T-R, and then the number 2. It's made by a company called Softorino. <laughs> Softorino. And this is a magic piece of software because you can either wirelessly talk to your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch, or you can cable it up using a lightning cable, and you can copy files basically by going into File Explorer and selecting all the files you want and then copying them and then pasting them into Walter 2. What happens then is that Walter 2 makes sure that whatever you have copied ends up in the correct native iOS or iPad OS app. What I mean by that is that if you take MP3 or M4A or a number of other files 
and you copy them into Walter 2, they will appear in your music app built into iOS. So you don't need to use any special apps. If you take a video file, perhaps you've ripped a DVD of yours and it was important for you for whatever reason. Maybe you have sighted people who use your iPad or something like that. And so you ripped it with the video intact. If you copy a video file, then the video file ends up in the TV app. If you copy PDF files or EPUB files, they will appear when you copy them into Walter 2 in the Books app. It is genius. And it's very simple to use. There is a cost to this to get full functionality, but you can buy a license called a family license that allows you to use it on five PCs. And I have to say that the technical support is fantastic. I've only ever had to use it once, but I could call them. I got somebody who understood my issue and resolved it within minutes. There is a version available for both Mac and PC. So I like this software a lot. Let's take a look at how we do this. I've already connected my iPhone 11 Pro Max to my computer in the studio via USB because it doesn't have Wi-Fi. And I'll go to the start menu. Search box edit. And we'll go to Walter 2. W-A-L-T-R-2. And press press enter. W-A-L-T-R-2. If you were doing this with Wi-Fi and you own multiple iOS or iPadOS devices, then you may have Walter 2 see a number of devices from which it can choose. So if I press tab, my name is Maxi 398.56 gigabytes free button. There's my iPhone 11 Pro Max with a lot of storage free called My Name is Maxi. There are various ways that you can approach this. You can use drag and drop. I think copy and paste has worked also in previous versions. But I find the most reliable way is to press tab or select files dot 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 button. And there's the select files button. I'll press the space bar to activate it. WALTR2 dialog. File name. Edit combo. Currently I'm in the documents folder, so I'm just going to type in the path to get me quite close to my audio C. folder. Explorer. And then we'll Not go the rest of the way. Audio. There's the audio folder, and I'm going to go to dog.m4r. Dog.m4r and press enter. WALTR2. My name is Maxi 398.56 gigabytes free. Or select files. And you heard the little sound there, and that indicates that the dog.m4r file has been imported into Walter 2. And that's all there is to it. It's now in the phone. And if you don't believe me, fair enough, I'll show you. So let's go in and have a look at the sound settings now. Open sounds settings. Let's take a look at the settings for sounds. Ringtone, penny, button. Just to speed this up, I did a bit of judicious editing there. We're on the ringtone button now in the sound settings. And it's currently set to penny, which is the piccolo trumpet solo from Penny Lane. I'm going to double tap... Bonnie. First of all, we have my custom ringtones, and I have one for Bonnie, which, as I said in the previous show, is the William Tell Overture. I'll flick to the right. Cat meow. There's Cat Meow, which is my son Richard's ringtone. David. And there's Actions David's available. ringtone, Smoke on the Water. Dog. And here's the new Actions one. Available. It's just there, Dog. And if I double tap... Dog. There we go. It's coming through the speaker, actually. It's, it might be coming through my hearing aids, um, but it is now set to Dog. So if I go back... David. Selected. Dog. Dog is selected. And that is the default ringtone now. And of course, you can also assign that ringtone to any contacts that you'd like. I'm just going to go back. There's Penny again. Double tap that and go back. There we go. So that is how 
It is really easy thanks to this cool utility called Walter 2 from Softarino to just completely ignore iTunes, create the ringtone in your digital audio workstation of choice, make sure that it's an M4R file, and then easily select it in Walter 2 and add it. It really is quite uncomplicated to make ringtones of your own and then get them on your iDevice. Have fun doing it. Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Large Podcast. Andy has been in touch. He says, holy, oh, holy soup, he says. Holy soup, this is available for macOS also? Yes, it is. Is that accessible as well? I believe so, Andy. I think I've seen people say that it is accessible on macOS. I no longer use the Mac, so I have no way of verifying but I believe you can get a trial and that applies to both iOS and Windows. So if you want to check it out and just find out if it's for you, you should be able to go to the Softorino website and get a free trial and take it for a spin. Really cool app and just so easy to get ringtones and other stuff onto the phone. It was specifically because of Walter 2 that I ended up buying 512 gigabyte phones when they came out. Because it's just so easy when you want to load things up on your phone to do that. Very nice. One thing I didn't say previously also is that if you take a FLAC file, which is lossless and and very good quality, and chuck it into Walter 2, it will convert to the Apple lossless format. So you don't lose any sound quality and put the Apple lossless version directly in the Apple Music app, at which point you can ask Siri to play it and do all those sorts of things. Search your library in the Apple Music app. So it's an absolutely brilliant app. Hey, Jonathan, it's Mike Fair. Hey. I'm enjoying the show as always. Thank it's, you. Uh, it's always a fun time. And uh, yeah, I also I, I had that cash reader app as well. So uh, very glad to uh, hear that that's going to be given out. I was quite happy with Downcast, but you've uh, convinced me to get on board the Castro bandwagon and uh, even pay a subscription and uh yeah it's it's been great i've listened to lots more podcasts even just this first week uh than i have in some time the queue is great just to be able to organize the different levels of inbox versus queue uh have them directly go into queue and things like that and then the library for broader you know more episodes available it's it's just wow uh and then of course the side loading is very nice as well for recording, I'm using Ferrite still for the most part. That's where I'm recording this on. I finally clued in if he turned off speech uh, at, rather than voiceover. You can then uh, double tap to pause and uh, to start and stop and things. So uh, hopefully this time you won't hear pause when I and finish this message. I just succeeded in another uh, successful Kickstarter I backed. Uh, I will be getting a Keychron keyboard. K6 is the designation of it. And uh, I've heard good things about Keychron and I'm getting a red switches, uh, with, uh, optical switches. Uh, and uh, then uh, it, it uses Bluetooth 3, which I hope won't uh, present any major uh, lag situation. I don't think it will. Uh, the Keychron has gotten very good reviews on its last number of keyboards. So I'm very hopeful that this might be as close as one can come within a reasonable fortune to a perfect keyboard. Uh, I have been in quest of one for some time now, and this could be it. Red optical switches, uh, constant reliable Bluetooth 
4,000 mA battery so and commands to disable the lights. It comes with an on-off switch, so that will help preserve battery power. If I can't have the battery report to my widget on the Today View, at least I can turn the thing off when I'm not using it and uh, disable the sleep mode while I am. Bye for now. Bye-bye, Mark. Well, I have this image of your apartment being strewn, strewn with random keyboards and even bits of key and little gadgets and devices and things that you've picked up from Kickstarter campaigns. I am glad you are enjoying Castro. It really does take a lot, doesn't it, to find an app that replaces one that you were perfectly happy with until you found this new one. It has to be a very special app to do that. And for me, and you by the sounds of it, Castro was that app. For me, it just blew Overcast out of the water. And I just knew that this would increase my podcast consumption. And yes, like you, I'm listening to so many more podcasts since I switched to Castro. Now that they have the side loading, I'm spending even more time in Castro, the side loading of YouTube um, videos. So now when you're in the YouTube app, and this is out now, I've mentioned that it was coming. When you're in the YouTube app, you can find a YouTube video and go to share. And right there, you can side load the YouTube video, the audio thereof into Castro and listen to the YouTube clip from your Castro app. Very nice. And then you have all the benefits of the speeding up and the compression of silences. And I must say also, I've been meaning to mention this, that over the summer, I did finally break down and subscribe to YouTube Premium. And I'm so glad I did because it's got rid of all the ads and things. But the one thing that's very beneficial, I think, of YouTube Premium for iOS for a blind person is that you can exit the app and just listen to the audio. You can lock your screen and you can pause and resume with a two-finger double tap with the magic tap. Very nice. So for me, YouTube Premium has been a good investment. Kelly Pierce has emailed in. Hello, Kelly. A few years ago, he says, I became fed up with the lame Apple ringtones. The motivation happened after Apple created a lot of buzz about the ringtone exclusive to the iPhone 10 in 2017. Wind chimes in my neighborhood sounded better. When I dreamed of how to express myself with my own ringtones, I realized I wanted the iconic riffs from heavy metal and classic rock and roll. Eventually, I figured out a system. I would edit MP3 files from the music I had with MP3 direct cut into the standard ringtone length of 30 seconds. If I don't have the album, I go to YouTube and copy the link to the video at an online service and have it download the track into my MP3 file that I save on my computer. In MP3 direct cut, I like the ability to fade in and out of the music at the end and start of the track, so it doesn't sound choppy. I then go to another free online service and upload the edited MP3 file and it's converted to an M4R file that is then loaded on my iPhone. The heavy metal ringtones get attention. I am told they turn heads when my iPhone rings in public and a deep electric guitar riff plays. Yes, I am different from the mindless ants and I don't mind demonstrating it. Metal rules the world! 
So says Kelly Pierce. You let your voice be heard, brother. That's what I say. Let your voice be heard. Jonathan Mosen. Mosen at Large Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. It's Tiffany again in Kentucky. It's Hi, been Tiffany a while in since Kentucky. I've been I've been catching up on the podcast. I finally moved and got that settled and got my job and uh, internet, so that's handy. Um, Speaking of making your own ringtones, I actually don't, mostly because until this podcast came out, I didn't know you could, and I imagine you probably need to use the computer for that, and I have a computer. I'm completely self-taught. I got the thing back in January of 2019, but uh, I had the feeling that would probably be complicated and take a little while to figure out, but I do have different ringtones set for some specific people, and um, I recently got a new piece of tech I've been playing around with. I got my first wireless charger. It's the Anchor Power Wave. It's a stand. I use it with my iPhone 8, so you don't have to worry about Putting it on the charger on the right spot, you just set it on the stand and it works and it's great. I enjoy it. And there's a new feature, I don't know if you've heard about this, through Apple Podcast I've been using, where you can sync it up with the A-Lady device. So I can, for instance, be at my grandma's or somewhere, listen to Moses at large, turn it off, come home, tell the Echo to play Mosin at Large or resume my podcast. And there it is right where I left off. It's a really handy feature. It is a handy feature, isn't it? Thank you, Tiffany. Good to hear from you. Congratulations on the job. That's fantastic news. And that does segue us nicely into an email from Imke, who said, I listened with interest to your tutorial on Castro and have been trying out the app ever since. I agree that some aspects are more efficient than with Apple Podcasts. There are two things, though, that I am missing in the free version of Castro compared to Apple Podcasts. The first, in Apple Podcasts, when I am subscribed to the same podcast on my iPhone and iPad mini and play one of its episodes on one device, the feed is correspondingly updated on the other device. If I start listening to an episode on my iPad, for example, I can pick up where I left off even after switching to my iPhone. If I delete an episode on one device, it's also removed from the feed on the other. This doesn't seem to be the case in Castro. Do you know if it is possible to achieve such syncing between devices in Castro? I don't think it is, and that's a very valid point if you tend to consume podcasts on more than one device. Overcast does this well too because, of course, you can sign into a cloud-based account with Overcast. So certainly one for Apple Podcasts in that regard if you like to consume on multiple devices. Two, says Imke, Castro does not seem to show or at least speak the date of an episode, whereas Apple Podcasts does. That can be problematic when the episode is about current events. I agree with that too. Yes, I haven't found a way to have it show the date as well. So some good observations there. Mosin at Large Podcast. And now on the Mosin Explosion, what do they say? Recorded on videotape before a studio audience. Why yeah. did they do that? Is it because of the laugh tracks? Yeah. Is that why they did it? Yeah, and the laugh tracks are so canned. Yeah. And I used to 
wonder how they let, well, I have been to a taping before a live audience, but even those laugh tracks sound, even that sounds canned. You actually went to see a TV show being recorded? Yes. Oh, which one? It was the 65th anniversary of the Grand Old Opry. And what did they do? Well, it was interesting because they, they, they warm the audience up, don't they? Did they warm the audience I up I think first? they did. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, um, oh, what was that guy's name? Oh, gosh. Mitch Miller. No, it was oh. Archie from Hee Haw oh. came out and, and Minnie Pearl came out. and But then they didn't film it in sequence. Like they filmed the finale first. Right. So so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the way you would think that a show would go. They 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 filmed it different segments. I don't know what it'd be like if you went and saw like a, a filming of like the Brady Bunch or something. If that's a story. Be. But the Brady Bunch, did that even have a laugh track? Yes. It, it did it? I think so, yeah. I don't remember that having a laugh track. Most of those did have laugh tracks, like the Brady Bunch. and I don't remember the baby. But anyway, it was a long time ago that yeah. I, you know, the, the Brady Bunch was on you. So did you watch it when it went on the television? Yeah, I did, yeah. It was interesting because there was one part I remember specifically when the Oak Ridge Boys came out. And um, this girl yelled, I love you, Richard. And they cut that out. <laughs> Could you hear yourself laughing on it? No. Did you try and listen for yourself laughing on it? I don't remember if I laughed. Yeah, I did laugh at one part. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But no, I didn't listen to that part. Yeah, I, if, I, if I went on a thing like that, I would have tried to make a noise to... Well, they know. probably would have edited it out. Ah, they, they, well, they edited out the girl yelling, I love you, Richard. <laughs> and he said, thank you. <laughs> Very good. Well, now, there's lots to talk about. Last week... You began reporting back pain. and Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we just thought, oh, Bonnie's sort of bent over the wrong way or something boring like that. Uh-huh. And even the doctor said that, that you pinched had a, nerve. a pinched nerve. Mm-hmm. But now we know what it really yep. was. Yep. Yep. Um, You're stricken. Yeah. Stricken with the pox. Yeah, I have shingles. Ooh, you're pox ridden. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So on Thursday, well, I guess Wednesday, I started noticing kind of a rash. Yes, yes. And I thought it was from maybe using the wheat pack. Other was- people's health is so sort of boring, though, isn't it? To listen to, don't you think? Yeah. But but but, but anyway, so you so, got the shingles. Yeah, I had the shingles, and yep. thankfully, one of my coworkers, who was very nice, went with me to the doctor Thursday and waited with me. Ain't got time to fix the shingles. Ain't got time to fix the floor. I had it a couple of years ago. You did. You had and, it really bad. And, and whenever, whenever the medical medics don't understand what really sort of brings something on, they think it's stress-related. And so when I got the shingles, they said, have you had any stressful events in your life lately? And I said, well, I got my oldest daughter married off. That was pretty stressful. He's a nice lad, though. He's a nice lad. The, the, this PC was built by Henry, the wonder yeah. son-in-law. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much of this stuff is really stress related. How do they know? Really? Well, I think any time you get can get sick if your immune system is down a bit. Um, they say that's from stress. This immune system is down for maintenance. Yeah. So mm. it's um. That's not pleasant to have. I can tell no, that. I can tell you. Well, it's really nasty. No. It's. I have thankfully a mild case, so right. I don't even want to imagine what a severe case would be. Mine like. was not mild no, when I had mine. Because <laughs> some people they get it like on their face. Yeah, and yeah. Just it's and it can be dangerous if you get it around the eyes because it can cause blindness. 
Well, I remember when I was running the internet. No, 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 the internet wasn't around there. When I was running the radio station that I set up to prove to the industry and to the world that blind people could work mm-hmm. in radio. And just before that, I got the chicken pox. And we had a guy who was doing a show for us. And um, everybody said, you have to be really careful. He was in his 60s at that stage. And they said, you know, because elderly people, you know, when somebody has got the chicken pox, it's very easy for them to get the shingles. And so it's an old people's illness. It is an old people. How old do you have to be to get the shingles? Well, I did know someone who was 18 and got it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. She was on the equestrian team and she got the shingles, which was at at first they thought that it was, you know, and she had it really bad. I mean, I think she had to go in the hospital. It was so bad because... Um, and, and Lisa, my friend Lisa was telling me that her husband got the shingles in his thirties and they didn't believe that he had it because you're too young to get it. So you can get it at any age, honestly. And it's what it is, is the chicken pox virus. Once you've had the chicken pox, it lives in your nervous system, your spine. The virus lives on. And is dormant and then something triggers it. So, yeah. Nasty business. Yeah. And it. It's it's interesting because when I was reading the symptoms of it, it said because my back was hurting and now the back pain is pretty much gone, mm-hmm. but it's the nerve pain from the the rash. So a lot of times it starts out that way with like a back pain and then it, you know, morphs into the the blistery rash, which is the. The shingles. And these days, once it's confirmed, once you have a name for what you got, of course, you consult Dr. Google. Which and Dr. Not Google gives you the worst case scenarios. Oh, Dr. And, Google gives you the worst case yeah, scenario. Yeah, Just, my word. I looked at the Mayo Clinic, so I feel pretty confident. Mayo! Mayo! But it's amazing how no one really wants to be around you. Shingles, come on, we <laughs> want to go home. Please, I have noise sensitivity. That's another strange Mayo. symptom of it is the noise sensitivity. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right, right. Get close to the um, close to the microphone. But well, anyway, um, I had to cancel. Like I gave my clients the option of because it, technically it's not contagious unless you have close contact. And here are your cases. It, you can see your counselor with shingles or have a nice day. Yeah, so I know what I choose. And have a nice day. No, I'd choose to be with you no matter what. No, everyone's yeah. – so next yeah. week is going to be pretty dull. Yeah. Now, now moving on from all this health malarkey, because, you know, I mean, you can only sort of hear so much about other people's health, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting thing. It's big in America, isn't it? Yeah. So you were telling me, and I've, I've heard – I think I've heard this in songs and different things over the years, that in America – in the school system, Valentine's Day is a really big thing, isn't it? It, it, it used to be. Oh, I don't know now? if it's – oh, I have no idea. It'd be interesting to know. It's probably not politically correct or something now because oh, – Such a cynic. But, yeah, when I was a kid, we always had a Valentine's party in school, and you would go and buy a generic box of Valentine cards. Now people probably print the 3D Valentine card. And you'd give them out to – you'd put a little box on your desk and people would put the Valentine in the box. Okay. What do you think of Valentine's Day? Um, it's nice to get candy mm. and flowers. I, mean, I See, 
it's not as big. It, at least it didn't used to be. I think the thing is with with all of the media and things that yeah. we have, we get a lot of these American things. Halloween never used to be mm-hmm. that big here, and now it's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of and really big here now. Pa- part of me sort of thinks. I mean, sometimes I just send you flowers or something randomly because yeah. just as I'm thinking of you and I love mm-hmm. you, and I kind of feel like it's a little bit contrived that that, that it's expected of one to send flowers and things on a particular day and it's really for marketing things but then of course if you don't do it you are considered to be a nit well they call it the hallmark holiday but you know it it was always funny it's always funny to kind of go and watch the men um trying to buy presents for their wives or girlfriends used to like to go to the mall and you could see the guys and they're trying to buy things for their wives and girlfriends at the the perfume counter or whatever (laughs) i mean it it didn't no one seemed to really care about it at work no no um it was interesting because i made some comment about it everyone was excited about it being friday and i said well no when i sent out my email about my medical Condition because I thought I should warn my coworkers. Ain't got time. And I put Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, it's Valentine's Day. And so I noticed that after I left, that um, lots of chocolate started appearing in the office uh, yep. because they went down to the countdown, yep. which is a supermarket, supermarket yep. to get some. And then one of our vendors brought some in and. Yeah. Gave it away. Yeah. But um, because you had ordered me flowers and chocolate, so I I let the receptionist know that it might be coming and just to put it on my desk. And then, of course, then I started seeing these emails on my phone about all the chocolate in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, did my flowers come and they've decided that they'll just eat my chocolate or something? <laughs> I don't know. A dozen red roses yeah. and some delectable chocolates. Yeah, very Delectable. Good. And I and got the- some beautiful flowers as well. Did. And iTunes. Yeah. iTunes. And some chocolate. A $50, yes, some dark chocolate. And a $50 iTunes. So I actually use some of it to buy John Burko's audiobook. I'm not a big audiobook listener, but when it's a biography, especially someone with a nice voice to listen to like John Burko, I thought it would be good to get the audiobook. And I haven't even Mm -hmm. gotten around to starting that yet. Um, But that was, so that was good. And I actually, I mean, it's not true to at all to say that Valentine's Day is not a thing at all in New Zealand because I went to book a table on the 6th of February thinking I'm in plenty of time and I'm proactive and I'm I'm being groovy about this for Valentine's Day evening. And I went to all of our usual haunts mm-hmm. and found they were all fully booked. Yeah. And I had to really search to find a nice hotel that had a restaurant free that we could go to, a table free. And um, then, of course, we had to cancel it on yeah. the night before once you, because we didn't have time. We ain't got time to fix the shingles no. before Valentine's Day. So we'll go out again sometime. Oh, we'll go out again. Valentine's Again. We just yeah. go out when we want to. Want to I mean, yeah. you know. And they probably had some Valentine menu or something. But you know what I find kind of a bit, Frustrating. I don't know. No, I'm trying to think of a word for this. A little bit churlish. This word, churlish, is so Valentine's Day is a day where people sort of celebrate someone that they have in their lives or perhaps even someone they would like to, 
you know, yeah. if they admire them from a distance. Ooh. And then you have these people who can't accept that and try and hijack it and call it Singles Awareness Day or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not at all under playing the frustration that it, that one must feel if if you've had the breakup of a difficult relationship or you wish you had someone in your life and you don't. But why would you hijack it? I mean, wh- why? Why do you make all that noise on social media about single awareness day yeah. and be all cynical and stuff? You know, what what's actually to be gained from doing that? Nothing. Nothing. There was a um at this cafe called Common was it? Boston Common Coffee Company or something. Oh that's right. You used to go to that a lot, didn't you? Yeah. That well, you're thinking yeah, that was one of them. I think you're thinking of Arpeggio, which is gone now. Boston Common Ground might be gone too. I don't know. But it was over close to my work. And I remember on Valentine's Day, everyone that worked in there was named Alex. It was kind of strange. And Why uh, if we call you Alex to save confusion? Maybe. Yeah. And um, so they had cookies on Valentine's Day with sayings on them. And some of them were, you know, I love you and I heart you and different things like that. But one of them was like, men suck. So... <laughs> <laughs> so you know they they had it to cover all the the bases. I think they were the ones that had the Tom Brady flat football. Hang down your head, Tom Brady. Brady. Oh gosh, hang, hang down your head and cry. Yeah. That's a that's a true song. J- uh, Tom Dooley. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, Tom Dooley, I guess. Uh, so, oh, but boy, was the, no, but was the sequel true? Because you know, there's a sequel to Tom Dooley, right? I don't think I know that. Yes, there's a sequel to Tom Dooley where it turns out that they tried to hang him and um, something went wrong with the system and he was allowed free. So are you sure it's a I, true story? Yeah, it is. It, and that may be I – I forget the story. We'd have to have someone look it up. But it was about a guy who they – it was in the South, of course, and he was dating these two sisters or something. and one of At them, once? No, I forget. I would have to well, look it up. Well, that's so sorted. I'd, I, yeah, yeah I'd ha- he was courting them. They don't date back then. They courted. Yeah, but she's not supposed to court two sisters. Why did the sisters even put up with that? I don't eh? know. But we'd have to look and up the it's, story. And, and it's expensive on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Whoa. It's actually named for St. Valentine's, and I can't remember what he did, but he came to a very bad end. So who was Grayson? I think that was the person that was killed. That he yeah. yeah. So how did he relate? How did that relate to the sisters? One, it was one of them's husband. What? 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 This gets even worse. I can't remember the whole story. We'll have to look it up. But it was he was a very attractive young man. Yeah. And I believe he I, I, went I, off to the Civil War. And... I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the drinker. Okay. Soup drinker. Tell me about hang down your head, Tom Dooley. You have talked me down enabled. Do you want to open it? No. You have right. talked me down enabled. No. Do you want to open it? No. no. Just All ask right. who Tom Dooley is. Uh, yeah, I, I, okay. Soup drinker. Who is Tom Dooley? Robert Thomas Tom Dooley Jr. was an American football official for 32 years American with 14 of those official. years in the National oh, Football League from 1978 to 19... Wikipedia. Wikipedia, hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Here's the Wikipedia article on Tom Dooley, the song. Tom Dooley is a North Carolina folk song based on the 1866 murder of a woman named Laura Foster in Wilkes County, North Carolina, oh. allegedly by Tom Dooley. 
The song is best known today because of a hit version recorded in 1958 by the Kingston Trio. This version was a multi-format hit, which reached number one in Billboard and the Billboard R&B listing, and appeared in the Cashbox Country Music Top 20. Would you like me to keep reading? Yes. The song was selected as one of the American Songs of the Century by the Recording Industry Association of America, the National Endowment for the Arts, and Scholastic Incorporated members of the Western Writers of America chose it as one of the top 100 Western songs of all time. Would you like me to continue? No. So it does have some have some historic basis, yeah. but I guess the Kingston Trio must have taken some liberties with their yeah. sequel, where Tom Dooley actually falls through the gallows, yeah, and and he survives. Yeah, and there's some thoughts. I mean, some historians have felt that he was probably innocent. I see. So you know, they they I guess they could do some DNA testing now. I don't know. Why don't we do a true crime podcast? You were talking about that the other day. What true crime podcast? Yeah, how popular they, they seem are. to be. The genre. They I think are. I'm in. The, I think I'm in the wrong genre. 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 Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like that. it was Cult Week on CNN this week, right? I, yeah. Well, so what do you think? We could we could both do. You, yeah, you're the investigative journalist. We could do the Hang Down Your Head Tom, Tom Doody podcast. Pod- I'm surprised it's not on Southern Fried Murder. Ding, ding, get, so my, that's a true crime podcast I listen to. Yeah, yeah, well, but they are popular. What, Tom Doody's? No, oh. tr- true crime oh, right, podcast. Right. Yeah. Mm, it, it does appear so. You a know, you, lot of true crime podcasts. You look at the numbers, it makes my th- few thousand listeners seem, you know, tiny. And some podcasts are good and others are kind of like, what's What could point? I do to get to like a million downloads a week? Do true crime. You yeah, exactly. Investigate New Zealand crimes. Mm. The he- you know the heavenly creatures. Mm. That's a really interesting one. Yeah, yeah. That's all. That's got it all, hasn't it? That's well, got it all. I didn't realize who she was. Mm. She mm. it's it's Anne Perry, who some of you may have heard is about. She's a mystery writer who lives in England, but she's Juliet Hume, who was. Uh, one of the heavenly creatures. Yep. And they uh, was two girls back in the 50s who uh, murdered one of the girls' mothers. Mm. And, yeah. And I think no one really knew that that was her true identity until Peter Jackson did the the movie in the early early 90s. Well, that was a very newsy Bonnie Bulletin. Should and, we talk about Minnie Mike? Uh, if you want. I think he's going to come up the middle. Or do you? Yep. Well, it's quite interesting hearing these very polite, courteous New Yorkers having a little civil discussion on Twitter, isn't it? (laughs) It's great. I like it. (laughs) It's wonderful. I think it'd be a great debate. I, I see. I'm not sure whether that's the answer. Marco, Battle of the who was it? Was it Rubio who was last in? I think tried that. He tried to sort of match Trump's Trumpianism by going kind of aggressive and rogue towards the end of the campaign. And it, uh, it didn't work for the Republican nomination. I think... But he can't do it because he's not a New Yorker. Yeah, I, I to think, New York. I think that, I think that mm-hmm. people are ready for some civility and politeness. And Well, that ain't going to happen no matter who it is. Well, well anyway, yeah. I mean, well. Bernie, I mean, even Joe Biden's getting kind of grumpy. Yeah, give up the game, Joe. Biden. Did you hear about the coffin? Pull out of the race now. <laughs> Get up. up the race, Joe Biden. <laughs> you silly, <laughs> stupid cow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yes. Well, anyway. But did you hear about the coffin? Yes, you told me about the that coffin. That was pretty awful. That actually. was pretty awful. That's pretty nasty. But now you'll need to explain to our apparently listener who's not some, listening to a true crime podcast. There was apparently some fundraiser in New York where these far-left people – I don't even know who the fundraiser Ooh. was for. Ooh. But they brought a coffin to it and said, you know, Joe Biden, just drop it now. Mm. But he's not even as old as Bernie. Yes. Yes. Or maybe he's the same age as Bernie Sanders. There's a lot of people of uh, advanced years in the race. You know, Warren <laughs> is... 70-something. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're... I guess they're, the youngest ones are Mayor Pete, and I don't know how old Amy, whatever her name is. is. Uh, she, uh, Klobuchar, she's um, in her late 50s, I think. Yeah. Buttigieg yeah. and Klo- whatever. It sounds like a law firm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, solving true crime uh, mysteries. True... True political crime. Email from Gary O'Donoghue, direct from Washington, with three quick things. He says, one, uh, 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 like the count. Thanks for the recommendation of Walter 2. I have just downloaded it, but Jaws isn't doing anything when I tab in the app. Maybe it's because I downloaded the free version, or maybe it's because I'm on Windows 7. Man, I hope lots of other people who download that Walter 2 don't have the same problem as you, Gary. All I can say is that I updated it yesterday and I am running the latest version and it's working okay for me. So I don't know, but I have paid for it. Annoying. Number two. Can I also recommend, he says, a fantastic low-budget wireless system for audio files out there. It's called the Rode Wireless Go and is super small and very easy to use and even has a built-in mic on the transmitter as well as a jack socket for plugging in a lavalier mic. Transmitter and receiver are the size of an AirPod case, so wonderfully small. Rode makes some really cool stuff. They also make a gadget called the Rodecaster Pro, which is a full podcasting kit all in one thing and you can do mix minus with it you can um, connect your phone and basically use the phone as a mix minus thing for for including podcast guests on the air with the phone and it's really really cool the only thing is it has a touch screen and i keep meaning to contact i don't actually need this thing because i'm too immersed in my own system but i have been meaning to contact road and say can you set this thing up without a touch screen Because if you can't, it might be a bit tricky for a blind person to use. Anyway, Gary's number three. Finally, and unrelated, speaking about voice assistants, has anyone else noticed that the soup drinker has become less responsive recently? I find I have to say things more than once to her to get a response nowadays. I don't think I've suddenly become less articulate, says Gary, but you never know, I guess. I haven't seen that, Gary. It's still as responsive and understanding as ever. Of course, it could be. It could be that the feds are monitoring you. They they could be intercepting your interweb or something. But it would be interesting to know whether anybody else has found that their soup drinker has become less responsive. I see that Apple is saying in a news release that now Siri knows 
all you need to know about the forthcoming US elections and, of course, the ongoing primary season. And this is a bit like the way you can ask for baseball or cricket or football scores. And it's supposed to give you the result. Now, it's not working for me. And I thought that was because I have my region set to New Zealand. And maybe they think that people in New Zealand aren't interested in the US elections. But Bonnie's region on her iPhone is still set to the US. And so Bonnie asked who won the New Hampshire primary. And it didn't say. It just said it found something on the web. So I'm going to ask my device here. Who won the New Hampshire primary? Okay, I found this on the web yeah. for who won the New Hampshire Ridiculous. primary. Check it out. Okay, so now I'll ask the next thing. Uh, when is the South Carolina primary? Okay, I found See? this on the web for when Completely is the South Carolina useless. primary. Check it out. Completely useless. It's, it's not working. Whereas, I can ask the drinker here, soup drinker, who won the New Hampshire primary? According to the Associated Press... Bernie Sanders won the New Hampshire Democratic primary with nine delegates and 26.1% of the vote. Pete Buttigieg came in second with nine delegates and 24.8% of the vote. And Amy Klobuchar came in third place with six delegates and 20.1% of the vote. Equal on the delegate front, Mayor Pete and Bernie, it's going to be a bite nailer, a bite nailer, I tell you. Okay, so that's good. And it even says Buttigieg nicely. My Daniel, my iOS Daniel, uh, does not say Buttigieg well at all. Bonnie tells me that Samantha now says Buttigieg properly. But Samantha, she does sound really grumpy, doesn't she? Don't you think Samantha just sounds grumpy? She sounds incredibly terse. She sounds like when you walk, you know, the kind of person when you walk into to, to an office, say, to, to meet with someone, and you've got the the kind of grouchy receptionist who who guards whoever she's guarding from annoying people. And, and, and Samantha just sounds formidable, but apparently she can now pronounce Buttigieg properly. So what are you going to do? Uh, let's see. Soup drinker, when is the South Carolina primary? The 2020 South Carolina Democratic primary will take place see? on February 29th, 2020. It's rocking it. But Siri, not so much. We just ain't feeling the feeling the love with Siri. Another lucky winner. Yes, it's time to announce the winners of our cash reader competition. What happened was that last week Francisco sent me a promo code for Cash Reader, but I already have the Cash Reader app, and I really like this app. It does a brilliant job of identifying currency without any fuss because you can set it to the currency or currencies you want to recognize and it narrows down the misses you see and that means that you can just wave the bill around it can use the front and back facing camera it's a really good app and when he heard the podcast he organized for us to get four more promo codes so we've had hundreds of people entering this competition wanting a copy of the cash reader app and it's time to draw the winners now another lucky winner so what i'm doing is I've put all the entries in an email folder and I'm just randomly pressing arrow keys and messing around and we're coming up with five names. So the first name that we are coming up with is Daniel Gervais. Congratulations, Daniel. You have won a copy of Cash Reader and I will email you the promo code. Another lucky winner. Okay, so number two, Firas 
Abuida. Congratulations for us. So you will also be receiving a copy of Cash Reader. Well done to you is what I say. Let's draw the third one. Another lucky winner. Oh, my word. Laurie Scott. Hello, Laurie. Thank you very much for listening and for getting in touch with the show. So you also just make sure I move your email here so I can email you your promo code. That's marvellous. Now we're on to the fourth one. Another lucky winner. And it is George McLaughlin. Ah, Hey, George McLaughlin. No guessing where he's from. Uh, you get a copy of Cash Reader as well. And we have one more to draw. Here we go. Another lucky uh, and it is Rachel Usher. Congratulations, Rachel. So just going through those names again. Daniel Gervais, Faraz Abuida, and Laurie Scott, George McLaughlin, and finally Rachel Usher. You win copies of the Cash Reader app. And congratulations and thanks to the Cash Reader people for their generosity. They are doing a great job with the app. Email into the show from Rory Nash, who says, Jonathan, I have been making ringtones for our iPhones for many years. We use different tones for each caller. Since my wife seldom has her phone at hand, one of my duties is to monitor her calls, search for her phone under cushions, in the bed, in the linen closet, etc. Bring it to her and inform her who called or messaged her. The app Micro Ringtones makes creation of ringtones a snap. I'm not familiar with that one, so that's really great news. Also, I am using the app Backpack Studio to record and stream. Thanks for the podcast. You did. Hi, Jonathan. It's Sean. I love ringtones. I have one or two ringtones from the Nokia phones. I think I have Mystique for one person. And I have some ringtones from the HTC Ozone, which I used um, iRinger, I believe, uh, iRinger to convert, I think it was called. And um, I've gotten a couple from the ringtone store if I thought they were particularly well done and wanted to re you know didn't think I'd be able to recreate them there are some very simple like chimes and things if you go looking for them I have ringtones for important people I also have some ringtones for a couple of people uh, one of whom is somebody who manages to always call me at the wrong time and a couple people that I just need to prepare for the fact that they might be calling. Graham Innes says, G'day, Jonathan. G'day, Graham. I am emailing about two completely unrelated issues. First, the name of Vision Australia. I wanted to provide some context for your comments last week, as I was chair of the organisation when three existing blindness organisations merged to form Vision Australia. It was a significant achievement and I learned much from the process. A significant reason for the choice of the name was that a large proportion of clients at that time were not totally blind. In fact, many of them were not legally blind, 10% vision in this country, and had low vision. There was a concern from some board members that these people would not be welcomed in the new organization. We used the name to address this. The name also came out well ahead in our survey testing as a strong brand and 
we wanted a forward-looking name to indicate that we had a vision for the future. You may not agree with this point, he says, but it is useful to have them in the conversation, in my view. Absolutely. And before I get on to your second point, Graham, there's been an ongoing debate here about the same thing. And I think there was a view among some, not blind people, I should add. Why don't we call it Vision Vision New Zealand? Follow the Australian's lead. And a lot of blind people said, over our dead bodies. So now they've changed the name here from the Blind Foundation to Blind and Low Vision NZ. Not New Zealand, but NZ. Blind and Low Vision NZ. I'm not sure why they couldn't have just called it the Blind and Low Vision Foundation if they wanted. I mean, I, and I am sympathetic to that view. A few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now, I went to a gathering of deafblind people and somebody referred to me as deafblind and I don't object to it at all, but I, I've never really thought of myself as deafblind. I wear hearing aids and I guess I would describe myself as blind and hearing impaired. So I certainly realise that certain nomenclature can alienate you i'm just not sure why you wouldn't go with say blind and low vision australia yeah well i i appreciate the context second says graham i have a question about castro i'm loving the flexibility and power of the app to which i have converted on your recommendation no pressure however one of my favorite podcasts the australian broadcasting commission's media watch will not download i suspect it's sent out as a video rather than as an audio file, as the original broadcast is on TV. Is there a limit to the size of downloads or anything I can do to fix this? Thanks for any advice. I really enjoy the fascinating and respectful discussion and debate on the program. Thank you, Graham, and thanks for all you do. And I don't know the answer to the question about your podcast, but maybe a uh, email to the Castro people might give you the results you want and after all that talking on the body bulletin she's down here again i just want to agree with graham about what oh about the whole context of vision australia and low vision um agencies taking on that moniker you agree with him that it's the right thing to do i do i think so i mean yeah i think so i think it can be it's very controversial but do you think Vision Australia is a good name? No, I think, think it should be As blind. a blind person, do you I think it should be blind and low vision yeah, Australia, yeah, like that, it that, is here that, in New that's Zealand. My, that's my bit. I have no problem yeah. with being inclusive of low vision. Yeah, but there but, are but people. But you're being exclu- using a name like Vision Australia, you're being exclusive of blind people, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so blind and low vision Australia would be the, – the problem with these names is they don't roll off the tongue as well as – like with the Blind Foundation or the agency formerly known as the Blind Foundation. Yeah, it's formerly known as yeah. Prince. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Blind Low Vision New Zealand now, yeah. which yeah. is confusing on some levels because we have the Blind Low Vision Education Network of New Zealand wins. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, and a lot of blind people are actually very resentful. I, I mean, I don't know about New Zealand. But I have heard a lot of blind people that are very resentful of the low vision part. Well, I mean, in the NFB philosophy, for example, basically mm-hmm. their argument is if you are blind enough to mm-hmm. require the alternative techniques of blindness, then you should refer to yourself as blind. But I think we have to be respectful of where people are on the journey. So yeah. I have no difficulty with that. I just think when you use a name like Vision Australia, you are mm-hmm. actually alienating blind people. And yeah. I, I think that's, that, that's the danger. Yeah. Thank you. 
I really enjoy, says Randy, the podcast, and can't resist commenting on the subject of ringtones. I love using them. Most of the tones I have, I bought, and I keep adding to the collection. I try to match them to the personality of the person or something significant about them. For instance, my mom worked as a telephone operator for many years, and her ringtone is a funky operator beat. Woo! A friend who's a musician, has a strum assigned to him. A friend owned a boat at one time, and I assigned a boat horn to her. She has since sold the boat, but the ringtone remains. Some things just stick. A favourite ringtone is one I had made and assigned to one of my brothers. He sent me a video of his grandson, who was about six months old at the time. In the video, the baby is laughing with that great belly laugh only an infant can have. Well, that is gorgeous. That baby is three now, but I'll keep his baby laugh as my brother's tone forever. Thanks for continuing the podcast, says Randy. That is really cool. That is just, I love that laughter that kids have. It is just so infectious, isn't it, at that age? David Globe is chiming in about the Amazon Echo Show and says, Hello, Jonathan. I got my Anna an Echo Show for Christmas uh, last year, and she loves it. She is learning how to do more and more with it every day. If you show the barcode of a product, it will tell you what the product is. Yes, that's actually why I brought the topic up last week, because I saw the article that indicated that it did this now, and I was wondering how useful it was for a blind person. But based on your description, it sounds like it could be a happening thing. Mosin at Large Podcast. I promised that I would update you with my de-googling experiment. You will remember that I mentioned that I had switched to Microsoft Edge. This is the new Chromium-based version of Microsoft Edge, and it's very good. It's fast, it's snappy, it's pretty gentle on the resources, and it seems to have a very positive impact on laptop battery life. Inspired by that switch... I thought I'd see how much I can de-Googleize my life. So I deleted Google Maps from my iPhone and I switched my search engine over to DuckDuckGo, which takes pride in the fact, its branding is all around the fact that it doesn't track you. Now, I have to say it has not been the most successful of experiments and I'm having to capitulate, capitulate. The first thing I noticed was the actual browser switch. I've been using a couple of really cool tools for podcast and other recording. One I mentioned last week is called Squadcast. And this is where you record podcast interviews in this browser-based environment, and it uploads everybody's local audio to you. So you don't have to worry about the artifacts of Skype or any of that kind of stuff. It records the purest possible audio because it's local everywhere. And it creates a separate track for each person in the conversation. So you can string it all together, pan the tracks and just get a wonderful end product. It's a brilliant thing, Squadcast. And I'm also using a thing called Clean Feed that does all similar things, except that it's server side. It doesn't do local audio. It uses Opus at a good bit rate. 
And that means you can use it live. You can use it for live streaming if you want to do a tandem show on the air with someone or, you know, interview someone. And with both of these, you just give someone a URL. There's nothing to install. The first time you go there, the browser asks, is it okay to use your mic? And that's all there is to it. Nothing to install. So it's even simpler than Zoom in that regard. And the quality is significantly better than Zoom. Well, turns out neither of them at the moment work on Edge. Yes, I found this out. So I switched back to Chrome pretty jolly pronto, I have to tell you, because I couldn't use these new services. That may change in time as these services catch up. But I did not have success in that regard. And it made me wonder what other compatibility issues I might strike. So I'm back on Chrome. Then I was searching for various documents in New Zealand in my day job. And I just found that Google instantly prioritized what I was looking for and duck, duck, go. It was a real needle in a haystack thing trying to find them. So I use DuckDuckGo for certain things, but I use Google now for most things, Google search for most things. So it's fair to say that that there has been quite a major capitulation on my part, because while we may be a little bit concerned about the degree to which Google records things and tracks things, it really does a jolly good job of finding what you want, and Google Chrome just works. And that wraps up episode 22 of Mosin at Large. Thank you so much for contributing and for listening. And please, if you have a chance, leave us a five-star review wherever you can review a podcast. Jonathan at MushroomFM.com is the email address. And the phone number is 864-60-MOSIN. See you next week. Mosin at Large Podcast.